0: You're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to abidechurchfl.com and enjoy today's message. You know, I want to read. Can I read to you Matthew 5? I don't have like a sermon. This is just, uh, I just, I want to share with you today. Is that okay? Wow, I just feel so, I want to cry. I don't know why. Um, Yeah, I might. Um, Matthew 5. I've been reading this. I read this. How many of you were here for Easy 44? On Friday night, we got together with a group of people, and the room was filled with people who just came for no preaching. It's like a dream come true. Just no preaching. We just literally worshiped for an hour, and and it went by so fast. How many of you felt like it went by fast? As we sat on his feet, and this morning, I was woken up at 4.30 in the morning, and um, I started praying for you. And um, I just, you know, one of the things that, that I pray, you know, it, let me tell you something. If you leave this church and you leave feeling like, man, Gio did a good job with his sermon or worship was awesome, then we have failed you. We, we just have because what we pray is that when you come to this place that the only thing you would leave thinking is Jesus is beautiful. Like he's so worthy of every part of our lives. In the, um, the more I give away, the more I want to give. You know, this, this life, the more you walk with him, you realize that he really does give you freedom from sin. We're not bonded to that garbage anymore. And it becomes this beautiful life of giving away all the things that you thought you needed. I <laughs> know so you're like, what are you talking about? But it becomes this beautiful life of, of presenting the things that you think are important. What Covington was talking about, choosing to remain at his feet and choosing not to depart from that place. And realizing that abiding and remaining in that place is everything. And that this is possible. You think, you, when you hear me talk about this, you think I'm talking to you about being a recluse. Like quitting your job and like I'm just going to stay in my home all day. No. I'm just talking about a people that that our hearts have become so soft that we are aware of him all day. Like last week I was praying and I said, Lord, uh, you know, this is when you know, for me, this is when we know as a church we're succeeding, when people are praying prayers like, Lord, let me just see your face. They're not asking for a microphone, for a ministry position or to be on a serve team, even though we need all that. They're just saying, Lord, let me see your face. Because if I can see you, I have everything I need. So I asked the Lord last week, I'm like, Lord, I just, I want to see you because I see so many things and there's so many things going on in the world. And the Bible talks about these things, Matthew 24, man, it says in the last days that people will be going about their lives, eating and drinking and marrying. And in that very moment, in that very moment, he will come back. And and what's crazy to me is in the context of the scripture is when he comes back, people will just be going about their lives thinking we have more time to get it all together. But the real, listen, you realize that in our lifetime, I want you to hear this, in our lifetime, every single people group would have heard the gospel of Jesus. In our life, there's like 300 people groups left have not heard and according to the bible when all of the people groups of the earth have heard of Jesus his return is soon (laughs) and so it's it's this sobering thing where we realize that that in the midst of everything going on in life come on there's going to be millions of people watching a football game tonight and in the middle of all of that and that's okay I'm going to be watching it too it's okay we're cheering for Kansas City right In the middle of all of that, the realization that the time is short. And I don't want to be caught, distracted. And so last week when Eric was speaking on this stage, he said, I had a message, but I just hear God saying that he has made this place a Bethany. And for those of you that are in our leadership or those of you that have been here for any amount of time, you know that that just hits home because we have tried to create a place where the Lord Jesus would come and not would we just say, God, minister to us and do for us, but we would say, Lord, we're just here to minister to you. Yeah. We're just here. And like, and like if all we get, so Kara was talking yesterday at a campfire, oh, I long for this. I, I long for Jesus to become the center of our conversation. And I just I sat around a, a fire last night with all these people that I love and she was like, I was asking the Lord to show me his face and I saw him but all I saw was his feet. She said, and his feet were dirty so I just washed them for him. <laughs> and she said, and it was enough. <laughs> when Jesus takes center stage, you begin to realize that this doesn't matter and that doesn't matter. All that matters is Am I, am, I, am I ministering to him well? Are you on the same page? Yeah. And so last week, for those of you that, that, that were here, you heard him talk about making us a Bethany. How many of you know that has to become more than words for us? Yeah. Like that's a cute phrase. Oh, we are a Bethany people. That's a cute phrase. But without Martha's, the Bethany doesn't matter. Without Mary's, the Bethany doesn't matter. And so what he talked about last week was a distinction between two people and he used Luke 10 and he talked about how Jesus came into this place. And as he came into this place, there was two distinct women. There was Mary of Bethany who was sitting at his feet and the word says this, that she was receiving revelation that Jesus was giving to her. And and the the actual phrasing there says, not only did she receive the revelation, but she captured it in her heart. (laughs) Those are two different things. Because there's the difference between hearing something and hearing something. And in the midst of all of that, there's another woman here. I want to read. I want to read this to you. Are you okay? Man, this is what happens when I get woken up at 4.30 in the morning. It says this. But Martha became exasperated. How many of you have ever felt exasperated by life? No, just me, not you. No, you're good. Just me. She became exasperated by finishing the numerous chores and preparation for her guests. So she interrupted Jesus and said, Lord, don't you think it's unfair that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? You should tell her to get up and help. And the Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha. You know, when Jesus says your name twice, you're in trouble. geo, Like, oh why are you so upset and troubled and pulled away by these many distractions? Then he asked her, he, 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 he positioned her for a question, are they really that important? This is in the midst of Jesus preparing for her, which in that moment would have been maybe so insulting. Because how many of you know, we can come into church and we can create, man, I felt so convicted. We had, we had a, a meeting here with four of us Trying to figure out how to get more people to our 9 a.m. service. (sighs) Right? We sat here and we we talked and then John stopped the whole conversation. He says, none of this matters because all this conversation is in the flesh. (laughs) Like, it's been an hour and a half. He should have said that an hour ago. It got so bad. We're like, maybe we'll get like sausage, egg, and cheese, McGriddles for the 9 a.m. service. Buddha will be happy, you know. And then the next Sunday we show up and the 9 a.m. service is packed and we did nothing different. And the Lord's like, just shut up. (laughs) And I feel like this is sometimes what it looks like for us in the church when we become distracted. And Jesus is like, is this is this really that important? Like, we have this opportunity to come. This is for everyone. This is not for a pastor, GEO. This is, this is for everyone. This invitation to stop trying to do for the Lord and stop trying to make yourself holy and to just sit at his feet and make him center stage and allow him, you know, sometimes uh, we, we, we say things like, well, just hear his voice and just see his face. How many of you have ever struggled with that? Yeah. Thank you. Because I know, you know, one time I was talking to, to my wife and she's like, what the crap does that even mean? She's like, all, all the time you talk about Jesus talking and speaking and like, does God audibly go, Geo, and the King James, thou shalt not, you know? No, no. I think we, we mystify this Christianity and we make it way more difficult. Sometimes God will speak to me through a John Valentine. He will speak to me through Boo, through Stephen. The problem is we're too busy trying to mystify and have this amazing experience. Instead of leaning in, instead of leaning in, this is why the Bible, Jesus says this. He's taking communion with his disciples. And in the midst of that, he pulls back. And this is his last teaching. And he prays this to the Father. Father, make them one as we are one. And this is how the world will know that I am the Messiah. Could you imagine what they're, they're not going to know that, that Jesus is Lord by Geo sermon? No. They're not going to know that Jesus is Lord by how big the church is? No. The way they're, they're going to figure out that Jesus is Lord over everything is by the way that I love Jesse Berkey. And so he's standing there and he's serving them communion, his body and his blood. And he's saying, this is how we shall love for one another. And if I was going to be honest in you two, I don't know that I would die for anyone in this room except my wife. Yet it doesn't make logical sense, but this is the kind of love and Christianity that God, this is the fruit and the byproduct of sitting at his feet. Yes. That when I get up, And I've seen him. I realize I have been called as a believer. Let me tell you something. Jesus did not die on a cross for converts. Jesus died on a cross for disciples. And so if we make all of this about us turning down the lights and playing a sweet guitar tune and saying, repeat after me. And we have missed the opportunity when Jesus says, this is what I have called you to do. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Meaning the call that we have been given, the mandate as people, you, say me. The, the, the call you have been given is to make disciples. It's to grab somebody by the hand and say, let me show you what it looks like to love Jesus. Jesus. Let me show you that it doesn't take all of that, and we're not trying to live a life of not sinning. We're just trying to wholeheartedly say yes to Him. And when we wholeheartedly say yes to Him, it doesn't matter who's leading worship. It doesn't matter who's preaching. You know what? This is crazy. Think about this. In the New Testament, they didn't have this. It it did not exist. All they had was each other and this Holy Spirit. And we have all of these things around us. And so it's like, could you imagine sometimes we come into church and I'm talking about me and we're like, I'm just, I'm just like, the band's just not good enough. Not you because our band is fire. <laughs> <laughs> I had a guy, I can't say that. I can't say that. Um, <laughs> but could you imagine, think, think about how far we have fallen away. Could you imagine the angels in heaven, the angels like, hey, bro, how you feeling today? I'm not feeling that holy song today, bro. Let's do it tomorrow. Like, like in, the, in the Old Testament where they were like, hey, man, who's performing sacrifices? Sue's doing, I love when Sue performs sacrifices, let's go. <laughs> and the problem that we have today is in the midst of so many options, we have forgotten that it is about saying yes to one. It is about saying yes to one and about locking arms in community and about fully loving one another. And I mean that. Like, it hit me last night that as I was in this campfire, I was surrounded by people that I love. And it's not because this is my job. It's because I'm a disciple of Jesus. And so it should not be okay for me to walk past people. And here's, I love a lot of people. It's like, I don't need any more people to love. I'm worried about enough. But as a disciple, he has called us to love, like to really love and to give ourselves and to see beyond what we see as dysfunction and say, no, 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 there is so much goodness inside of you that I'm going to lock arms and walk this out. Are you alive? And the danger of not doing this is we fall into religiosity. We fall into this this cycle of, of going through the motions where we come in. I've been guilty of this. I, at 4.30 in the morning last night, I was thinking, I said, Lord, how many? forgive me. How many times have I prayed and just said words? Maybe not you. But I've stood on this stage, and I've just, it's just been words without realizing that they are touching heaven. Like Like, the Lord is hearing what I'm saying, and he knows my heart. And so he knows if I'm just saying it because I think it's going to sound good to you or whether I mean it to touch his heart. He knows. He knows. And this is not, I'm not trying to convict anyone. It's just we have to get to the place where we're wholeheartedly stripped honest. Like, this is who I am. I don't know why I took off my jacket. (laughs) It's a little cold. As soon as I took it off, it hit me. Where we're fully honest with one another and saying, you know, I don't know that I meant that. So like when I'm worshiping in the front, this is so stupid. There have been times, maybe not here, but where I've worshiped and I thought, I have to worship this way because it affects the whole room. And what I'm doing is I'm ministering to men and not to the Lord. My worship and my 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 level of loudness and my everything—it's not unto Him; it's unto the room. And so the Lord spoke to us, Ezekiel forty-four. How many of you you came on Friday? You maybe not even know we called it EZ forty-four, and it was this mandate that we felt given to us last year, where you see these two priests, these two groups of priests that God has called to minister unto Him. This is always the call. Do you remember revelations 2 are you okay i'm giving you a lot of different stuff but it's going to land in your heart revelations 2 watch this i want to take you there for a second i've gone way too far it's not at the end of my bible i have three books in there still i want you to hear this revelations 2 He's talking to the church of Ephesus. We've read this before, but it's okay, right? It's okay that we read it again. I know all that you've done for me. This is the Lord speaking. You have worked hard. You have persevered. I know that you don't tolerate evil. You have been tested to those who claim to be apostles and prove they are not, for they were imposters. I know how you have bravely endured trials and persecutions because of my name. Yet you have not become discouraged. So he's affirming them. Like they haven't fallen into sin. They've kept the main thing, the main thing. When people have come saying, I'm an apostle, they've tested and recognized this is not of God. They just want to be known. So like they've done a lot of things right. And yet the Lord says, but I have this one thing against you. You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me in the beginning. Then he says, think, this is the TPT, I love it. Think about how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works of love you did at first. And I will come to you. I want to drop down to verse 6. Although to your credit, you despise the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also despise. What is the question is, what is the work of the Nicolaitans that they have rejected? And, and I just want, I want you to catch this. The Nicolaitans were a people. Before them, people understood that when they came into Christianity, they were not, they were not consumers. They were priests. I just, want, I just want you to let that sink in for a second. They were not church attenders or synagogue attenders. They were priests unto the Lord. But you are not like them. You are a royal priesthood. You, you see this in, in the Bible. And what the Nicolaitans did is they pulled everything back and said, hey, listen, you sit, I teach, you listen. And it separated the people. So now listen, now I'm the priest and you are the person who receives. And so go back to easy 44. What you find is two different groups of people. And the people who are here of the tribe of Levi, you remember the Levites, the ones in Exodus 32, Moses said, come out of idolatry. And they said, yes. You fast forward to Ezekiel 44 and he's having a vision. And what they have found in Ezekiel 44 is there's two groups of priests. And what they tried to do was they tried to minister unto the Lord in the midst of idolatry. What I'm what 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 saying, what they did is they tried to mix the culture of the world with the culture of the kingdom and make it one. And so the glory of God had departed and Ezekiel 34, 42, it had come back. And that's what we're after, right? The glory of the Lord, that it would come and settle and change us. So the glory of the Lord had come back into the temple and now they're figuring out who will minister in the inner courts. Like, who will come into his presence and be closest to him? And God makes a distinction, and he says, The tribe of the Levites, they no longer can come into my inner courts because they had given themselves to minister unto people. Meaning this, they had been more consumed with what the people wanted than what God wanted. And any time in the church, we begin to mix culture. I got an email yesterday from a past, it was from this thing I said, What can the church learn from Las Vegas? I'm like, burp, delete. There's nothing I can learn from them. I was <laughs> <laughs> like, What can you teach? This is what teaches me about the kingdom. <laughs> And so God made a distinction, and this is the choice that we have as a church. Listen, this is the choice that we have. It's not that we're not going to minister unto people. It's that we know that we have been called to the inner courts. Guys, come on. We have been called to be more than church attenders. If you're sitting in this chair, it's not for you to come here to plug you into a discipleship program so that we can say, what a good Christian the Berkies are. It's so that we can raise people up to realize I am a powerful person because the Holy Spirit is inside of me. And when the Holy Spirit comes inside of a person, they become a vessel. And that vessel now, according to the Bible, you have been called and equipped to go into darkness and to display his glorious light. You, it's not trying. You can't help it because his light is inside of you. It's inside of you. So all you have to do is keep your eyes fixed on him and allow him to speak to you. That you would come before His word. Listen, if you're not coming before His word, you, you carry no power. I only got, You don't. And we have this movement in the sect of the church that they want to prophesy, but they don't want to eat bread. So as a people, like, this is so simple that we would set time apart and that we would come before him and say, God, I opened this Bible, but I I want you to breathe on it. Like, I want the red letters, like everything that Jesus said, I want it to sink into my heart. And I want, like, blessed are the poor in spirit. Matthew 5, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? It could be translated like this, delighted or happy are those who have surrendered wholeheartedly unto God. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it can be translated to. That every part of their life has been surrendered and the promise is happiness will come to you. Blessed are the poor in heart. The, the, blessed are the pure in heart. That, God would, that you would come before him and say, God, anything in my heart, you can have it. And so in Ezekiel 44, the Levites, they were casted to deal with the people, but there was another group of people that they, they, they remained faithful in the midst of idolatry. And I know that we, we think of idols today like golden calves, right? Like, oh, all of these. But I would say to you that anything that would take time away, your eyes off of him has become an idol. It's like it may not look like golden calves, but it can look like a Samsung TV. It may not look like a golden calf, but it can be your job. And what I I think is important for us, this is the last day of this series, the main thing, is for us to, to wholeheartedly ask God, is there anything that is creating separation between me and you? Because I don't want to live my life. Listen, I woke up this morning and I asked the Lord, I'm like, Lord, my prayer is that I don't waste my life on meaningless things. I just want to say this to you so you understand. Me building a church with just people who sit in chairs is a meaningless thing for me and for our leadership. Because when I read this book, I cannot accept that that's what Jesus died for. That he came and he died and he walked this earth and he gave us the Holy Spirit merely to come to church from 10 to 11 o'clock. It's so that, it is so that unto you becoming everything that God has put in your heart, and he has planted things in your heart. We all have been given gifts and talents, but all of that has to come, All listen to me, all of it has to come from us being a people. Not that just worry about ministering unto people or to our families, but that we would say we would be a people that would be willing to go into the inner, into the inner courts. We're the glory of God. And listen, I just want to say this. It's okay. Sometimes we go into God's presence and so we say, spend time with God and we get distracted and then we become discouraged because we're distracted. I just want to say this to you. I get distracted every time I go into his presence. I was spending time with the Lord like on Thursday and I was thinking about Jimmy John's. <laughs> and I'm like, what? What is wrong with me? The Chipotle Philly cheesesteak. And I say that because, like, we, we, it would be so simple for you to spend time with the Lord and to have your process. So, like, sometimes when I spend time with the Lord, can I have, like, five more minutes? Because I want to make this really practical. When I spend time with the Lord, I just, I just come before him, and I just sit for two minutes, at least, in silence. I don't like, some of us come in and we're like, I was speaking in tongues, like, just just quiet because I'm trying to not just silence my outer world but I'm trying to silence my inner world because what's going on in here is much louder than what's going on out there so like I just I I just sit and I just like I try to think about nothing and and I ask the Lord and then from this moment I begin to thank him because we've learned through the Bible that thankfulness is, is the beginning place to enter in is this okay this is, this is my process. It doesn't have to be your process. But I begin to thank him for my family, for my wife, for my son, my daughter, all of you. I just begin to thank him. And from this moment, I just, I asked the Lord, like, David, God, search my heart. Like, don't you want to be a people that when, when Jesus comes back, you're standing before him, you knew you did everything you could to make sure your heart was clean before him. <laughs> and then I, I ask him, I'm, I journal. Some of you are like, that's. I journal. And I'll ask the Lord to speak to me. And I'll just begin to write. You're like, well, like, brother, how do you, n-? listen, if you can't trust the Lord to write through your hand, then you can't believe this. You can't, like, And if God is not big enough to move my pen, then he's not as big as the songs we sing. And what begins to happen is he begins to deposit seed inside of my heart. And so when the Bible you begin to read in 1 John 3... That sin, like it, it literally says this. Uh, can I? I'm gonna read it to you. I'm gonna really mess you up. Then I'm gonna end. Is this okay, my love? It's all I need. First John three. Listen to this. This is crazy. Ah, oh, Jesus. First John 3, 4, the character of God's children. Anyone who indulges in sin lives in moral anarchy, meaning they're at war within themselves. For the definition of sin is breaking God's law, and you know without a doubt that Jesus was revealed. Listen, he was revealed to eradicate sins, and there is no sin in him. Anyone who comes to live in union with him, what does it say? will not sin. Some of us read this like, oh my gosh, that's condemning. No, it's a promise. That if you remain in connection with him, there will be no sin inside of you. It will have no grip on you. This is good news. But those who continue sinning have not seen him. (laughs) But those who continue sinning haven't seen him with discernment or known him by intimate experience so like when the bible says taste and see that the lord is good it is an invitation for us to experience him and that experience it disconnects us from sin and it connects us to the father literally seeing him and experiencing him it connects us to him and it says, delightfully love children, do not let anyone divert you from this truth. The person who keeps doing what is right proves that he is righteous before God, even as the Messiah is righteous. But the one who indulges in a sinful life, this is crazy. The one who indulges in a sinful life is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God was revealed, this is the reason he came. He was revealed to undo and to destroy the works of the devil. So everyone who is truly God's child will refuse to keep sinning because, listen to this. He will refuse to keep sinning. Why? Because God's seed remains in him. Meaning when I, when I sit down before the Lord, 10, 15, whatever it is, he speaks to me and that word he gives to me becomes seed that is implanted in my heart. And when sin comes my way, I cannot partake of that. Not because I'm worried about going to hell, but because I don't want to violate what has been implanted in my heart. <laughs> I don't want to violate that which, would, which he put inside of me. So because I value the seed that was thrown in the soil of my heart, I say I can't partake of that. Because he's doing something on the inside of me. My prayer, my prayer for you. You know, me and my wife—we've been to, we, we went to ministry school together, and uh, we started dating in '09. It's been happily ever after. But we used to be in school together, and we would be together all day. We would come into prayer at 8, and we would end at 9, and we would, the day would end at 5. And so how many of you know when you first fall in love, you like, you do crazy stuff, right? Like, you just. And we would end school, and we would be around each other all day. We were in the same class. We were first year, second years. But we would leave school, and she would be like, can you come see me? I miss you. And I'm like, you miss me? been around you all day but what 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 i've learned is proximity does not e- always equal intimacy it just doesn't and i just you could be in the presence of lovers of god and jesus and abide but it does not equal intimacy in order for me to connect and to know destiny which is the goal of intimacy, right? We've turned intimacy into something that has to do with sex. That's not intimacy. Intimacy has to do with information and trust. In order for me to know her, I had to spend time with her in my little truck. And I had to learn the things that she loved and the things that she hated. And it was through that exchange of information. When I first met her, I was like, there's three things I never say, commitment and love. And two weeks later, I'm like, I love you. I love you so much. No. But connection, connection is more than proximity. And the great, the great mistake that we make sometimes is we come into church and we have these experiences where you come into a room like today, was so heavy and sweet and we think, ah, it's enough, but it's not. And it's not, it. Again, if you leave feeling a weight like, man, you said I'm not good enough, it's not that. It's like, hey, man, let's go find out how much more of God we can have. Because the Bible says that he's unsearchable and inexhaustible. Meaning we could spend the rest of eternity saying, Jesus, I want to see you, and we'll never see the end of him. Because he's that amazing. So will you stand? That was a lot of information. Would you just would you just close your eyes and just pause yourself to receive? What I want to pray what I want to pray over you today is as we leave today that God would take us back man like Jesus said about Mary she has she has done the one thing. She has chosen the good part. That we would be a people that would not be consumed, distracted with the problems and things that are going on around us but that we would wholeheartedly know and pursue this beautiful Jesus and that you would know that you know that you know that he has a plan and a purpose for your life oh I feel the Lord Jesus right now Father in, in, in your name I ask that you would mark people right now. More than a a hype moment to a song, God, mark. Brand them with first love. Father, every single person in this room that may be dealing with, with sin or shame or condemnation, God, I ask that you would just destroy it right now. Depression, anxiety, pressure, feelings of, of worthlessness. Man, I feel that you just, some of, some, there's somebody in this room, you just feel worthless. I just speak life over you right now in Jesus' name. Life over you in Jesus' name. Father, I pray over marriages and relationships right now. I pray that as we look into the eyes of our spouses, that we would see you. God, that you would raise up people that are not worried about a stage, but are worried about going low, low. God, that we we would enter into prayer, that we would realize that our words, they hit your ear. (laughs) That our Bibles, they are God's living word. And so, God, make us in all, make us in all of you. And lastly, Lord, man, I just ask that you would help us to be a people who would love. Man, just, just ask Him, God, teach me how to love. I want to love people. I want people to see. I want to see. I want to see you, God, in the broken. So, God, help us to be a real people. Not a people who are here to build a big church, but a people who are here to build a big people. In our businesses, when we go to Publix because we don't like Walmart. Help us, help us, God, to love people with all of our hearts and to see them the way that you see them. Yeah, man. God, we make a choice today to love. To love you and to love those around you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Are you good? Hey, listen. I I love you guys so much, and I'm so thankful. I just, can you just do something for me? I'm just going to ask you as family, can you just choose to make a decision this week to just spend time with him? Can you, like, just, just, I just need one time, because I know once you do it once, it's going to be, it's addicting. But just come before him, just quiet, and ask him to speak to you, and engage in a conversation, and don't leave until he speaks. Can you do that? One word is enough. You understand this? You don't need a novel. You just need one word. And that word will take seed and it will take root and it will sustain you. Amen? And listen, I'm going to pray. We didn't take up the offering, but I'm going to pray and you guys can give as you go. Then you're going to give somebody a hug as you leave.